Welcome to the Kixology Podcast, a show all about running shoes. My name is Brian Metzler, your host and resident running shoe geek. I'm also the author of Kixology, a book about the hype, science, culture, and cool of running shoes. In this episode, I'm joined by Philip Snyder, an accomplished ultra runner and one of the co-founders of the Berkeley Park Running Company in Denver. It's one of the country's great running retail stores, and it's dedicated solely to trail running. My other guest is Lisa Jung, a writer, journalist, and trail runner who is a contributor to Women's Running Magazine and one of the shoe reviewers for Outside Magazine. She's also the author of Trailhead, The Dirt on All Things Trail Running, and Running That Doesn't Suck, How to Love Running Even When You Think You Hate It. In this episode, we'll talk about the evolution of trail running and trail running shoes, some of our favorite models, both current and past, why there are different kinds of trail running shoes, what's next in trail running shoes, and a whole lot more. Thanks for tuning in. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for joining the show. Thank you. Thank you. So we're uh, about to talk about trail running shoes inside and out, and uh, I couldn't think of two other people I'd rather talk to shoes about with, but um, I guess first my background is, you know, uh, I, I didn't start trail running until probably um, sometime in high school, and I, I didn't know I was trail running because it wasn't a thing back then, right? And so I think that, you know, as a runner, we all ran our cross-country or track back then, and, and we had this one course we'd go to and run on, on the trails, and I thought it was super cool. I didn't know why, you know, and like it had this like cool aura of, of you know, running through the trees and the single track trail and everything else, and you know, that, it didn't really hit me, it didn't really strike me to what trail running was until I moved to Colorado, and certainly living in Boulder, Colorado, you have a lot of trails around here that are you know, amazing and, and, and a lot of runners that are running, but it certainly it took me a long time to figure out like, wow, this is a cool thing, you know? And so I guess that's kind of my intro to trail running. But like back then, I think I was mostly running in, in regular running shoes, right? Until I guess I discovered what a trail running shoe was. And I think my first one was maybe the Adidas response trail from the <clears throat> early to mid nineties. I think there was probably a few others out then, but I, I guess that's, that's kind of like my intro to this conversation is like, you know, I think this, this sport is still pretty young um, and still growing in a lot of ways, um, you know, at least, you know, compared to like marathon or track and field or cross country. But like, it's been cool for me to be able to see kind of the evolution of this. And I know you, you each have your own kind of window to that as well. I think Lisa, you told me you started running or I know, I know did some trail running in college in Santa Barbara yep. um, uh, when you were a volleyball player, but maybe talk about that and kind of how you got into trail running. Well, it's funny because I sort of got into trail running when I got into running. I just, um, hated running in high school, <laughs> aside from, you know, the however many steps it took to get to the high jump bar at track practice. But um, when I started running, I went to the beach and ran on the beach. And that's sort of how I became a runner. So I consider the sand um, a trail, really. And then, at yes, at UCSB, I ran on the beach and on the trails all around campus. Um, but I also was in road running shoes. You know, I didn't really know. I, I, I guess I didn't even really know I was trail running. It was just running. It was the running that I chose to do because it was pretty. And um, living in Isla Vista in Santa Barbara, you just run on the beach and then end up on these like bluff trails above the beach and on golf courses and stuff like that. So yeah, that was my foray both into running um, and trail running at the same time. And, and Phil, how about you? I know you, you said you're uh, running cross country in, in Arizona, but um, did that include uh, your kind of first foray into trail running too? Yeah, um, fairly similar where the school I was at was kind of in the foothills of Tucson. Um, we right near Sabino Canyon and cross country season, we were definitely running trails more than we were running on the roads. And even our course was like a very hilly, rocky, um, but 
like Lisa and you, we didn't have trail shoes back then. This was mm-hmm. late 80s. Um, some roach, like the Nike Pegasus, was great on trails. There was a few other shoes that were not so great. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, it's, it's funny we talk about trail running shoes. And I think even in the, in the mid-90s, I mean, um, you know, there was this notion that like, you know, again, because trail running wasn't a thing, there was a few shoes that were kind of even marketed toward trail running, but I don't think most people knew it. And, and still, you know, you still pe- people that wear regular road running shoes. And that's one of the first questions, even when I started um, Trail Runner Magazine, um, and by the way, Lisa was uh, the first senior editor, I think, uh, or one of the first. Um, but uh, uh, it, it seemed like people would ask, oh, why do I need trail running shoes? And, and people still ask that now, I think, uh-huh. when, when they get into it. And I, and I guess, you know, part of my answer is like, oh, well, maybe you don't sometimes. And, and I guess... I guess maybe uh, from a retail point of view, uh, Phil, t- tell me about that. I mean, obviously you've got a sh- shop there that is dedicated to trail running shoes. Um, and yet people probably when they're getting into it, like, oh, I have running shoes. Won't those work? Yeah, um, we are getting a lot of new customers who are either new to the area, like Colorado specifically, and very new to trail running and very interested in it and wondering like, well, do I really need trail shoes? And then it, it almost becomes a... a mathematical equation like well how much time are you really spending on the trails versus on the road you know a trail running shoe you're not going to get the economy out of like the efficiency running on the roads that you would um sorry about my little update there um as you would on the road but you are it's going to be more durable you're not going to chew your shoe up as much um on the trail as you would i mean with the road running shoe i i like to make the kind of example of like yeah, your mountain bike versus your road bike. You can ride a road bike on the road fairly well. You're just not going to be able to go as fast. Yeah. So. Good point. Good point. <clears throat> and Lisa, obviously, you've seen uh, front and center uh, the evolution of shoes through your reviews. Obviously, for the outside magazine guides you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess you know at some point. Um, I think that you probably reach a wide range of, uh, of runners with uh, certainly your books and also kind of the reviews you do. But I, I guess talk about that. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of great road running shoes that can suffice either by minimal traction, enough protection, enough cushioning. But but certainly there are trail running shoes that make more sense for the trails, right? Yes, absolutely. But I, I mean, with my books, um, my whole approach is breaking barriers down. For people, yeah. so I I agree that you can run trails and road running shoes, and if that I don't want gear to be a limiting factor to people heading out on the trails, but if you get the right kind of gear, then it makes you more comfortable on the trails, which can therefore you know you'll go out more often and feel more confident. But um, yeah, I mean people who have road running shoes can get by, but they're they'll soon realize once they switch to trail running shoes that the traction alone can make such a huge difference in how comfortable they feel out there. And so, um, yeah, and trail running shoes, as you mentioned, have come a long way from what they used to be. And I think there's that was saying that there's also now shoes that are not $200 that, um, a new trail runner can buy for say a hundred dollars, $120 and not have that be um, a limiting factor to why they're not getting on trails. But I think, I mean, yeah, road running shoes. I used to race, I used to do adventure races, with a guy who just wore road running shoes through all of those crazy races. And I'm not exactly sure why, <laughs> but he did. And he was fine. Like he wasn't like off the back or anything. He just was more comfortable in road running shoes, whether it was because they were more lightweight or flexible or just the fit. He was just, he found the road shoe that suited him well. So, I mean, it worked, but it didn't have the features of durability and traction and, um, you know, the things that we get like protection from underfoot that uh, a trail running shoe 
offers. So it wouldn't work for me, I don't think, but um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You make you make some good points. I mean, certainly with adventure racing that that brought up, uh, you know, certainly a lot of different types of terrain, and mm-hmm. uh, not only on dirt but on on wet terrain and things like that, and and through water and stuff. And I think that you know, certainly we've seen trail running shoes evolve, especially in the last ten years. Is you know, I think that you know, obstacle racing became kind of the next step of adventure racing, although adventure racing is still here or back with Eco Challenge. But uh, <laughs> it seems like obviously traction became more specific um, to terrain, obviously durability. I mean, it seems like obviously trail running shoes have certainly evolved. And maybe from a retail point of view, I guess, Phil, like, like, like I'm not sure that uh, Berkeley Park could have existed 20 years ago, um, but but certainly can now because people come into your store. I've seen them coming in for a very specific type of shoe for an ultra or for you know for for a certain type type of terrain. Is that is that what you see too? Yeah, and that's kind of the whole idea behind opening the shop as well. You know, we know we're only catering to mostly a, a small percentage of the overall shoe market, like less than ten percent. We figure if we do do it well and provide what the customer wants and hopefully can't find elsewhere, that that ten percent is a, enough big enough sliver of pie for us to get by yep yep uh, i think that like some of the cool things i've seen in the last couple of years you know certainly some of the new different types of, of outsole rubber um you know certainly you know we've long seen uh rock plates um and shoes which have been cool but i but i think i think too though you realize too that like certain shoes work on certain types of terrain, but don't work on others. I mean, like I, I always like try to pride myself on taking the right shoe out the door for the right kind of trail. And totally. in Colorado, we have a lot of, you know, different types of trails. Although certainly the further you go in different regions, you know, um, you have even, even more kinds. I mean, like I, I would never wear a, a Gore-Tex shoe, f- you know, but I think people that uh, are in extremely cold or wet places certainly would. And, um, I think that, you know, we don't really have the sloppy mud here that, you know, places in the upper Midwest or New England do too. So I guess, Lisa, talk about maybe some of the things you've seen in the last couple of years um, in reviewing shoes for outside and kind of, kind of really kind of changed uh, trail running. Yeah. Well, I was thinking when you were talking about traction, just the different um, outsole materials have changed and improved. Like you get more grip and more durability with lighter weight materials now. And uh, so it's, it's more about material and I mean, it's still about lug pattern, but there's just a lot that's been done um, on that front. And it seems like with any gear, it's like trying to get better while being lighter um, has been a goal of retailers, I think. And it's, it's evolved into some good product for sure. Um, I also think, I mean, I said it before, just the affordability factor um, I think is evolving which is good to get more people into the sport. I think there's better options at lower price points, but that, I mean, that said, there's also like hugely advanced product that are still at that higher price point. So you're sort of reaching all categories. Um, yeah. So I think, but I mean, the the big thing too, is like people always ask since I do review shoes and like, I kind of hate this question. (laughs) I I mean, you can still ask it, but you know, I, I review shoes for outside, which means I see, as you know, like, so many shoes and people always ask me like, what's your favorite shoe? What's the best shoe? But I always <laughs> say there's like, there's not one magic bullet shoe. Like it's, it's individual. It's like, what terrain do you run? What is your foot uh, shape? What, you know, how do you, what are your body mechanics? Like, it's like so individualized. Um, so we do our best with the re- those reviews to just provide a cross section of really good shoes that hit the market that season that tested well across a fairly wide range of feet and runner types and all that. And it's important for people to go into a shop like Phillips and uh, try on a shoe and talk to 
um, the experts there to see what works specifically for them. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I think that having been in the media as well, I think certainly the the, the pressure to create, you know, uh, shoot of the year awards right. or, or or prizes and everything else. Certainly, I get it from a marketing or even from a reader point of view. They want to they want to know what what shoe like really jumps out. But yeah. at the same time, we know that like as you just said, like kind of how a shoe fits you is, is mm-hmm. the most important thing. And also how you're going to run it on what kind of terrain, I guess that's certainly a thing. Obviously, um, I, guess, I guess from a Berkeley Park point of view, though, you guys are a Denver shop. So you're, uh, you know, certainly close to a great number of trails uh, adjacent to there. But like, but when people come in, I mean, like, you know, what's what's the best way to fit somebody into a shoe? I mean, um, do, do you uh, have, have a way of kind of, uh, you know, asking them questions or understanding kind of what they do before yeah. you, before you, I mean, I kind of asked them the questions like, how much trail running are you doing? Which trails are you, are you kind of running more front range trails like Golden Morrison area? Are you getting more up into the mountains? Um, you know, which kind of determines and how many miles? Because, you know, like a Hoka Torrent to me feels great up to 10 miles. Anything further than that, it starts be, and because I'm a little bit older, I start feeling beat up and wish I had like a little more cushion, you know? Um, and that, and that's you know it, there's runners who their their sweet spot is like five to ten mile trail runs, and then there's those folks who want to go out for six hours, and that's going to be two totally different shoes for the most part. Um, yeah, I agree. I think I think that like certainly. I still see trail, you know, people out on trails that uh, have shoes and I'm like, oh, why are they wearing that shoe? You know, and and even I like recently I was at the uh, Manitou Incline, which is more or less. Um, a stair step, a, you know, a massive, crazy stair step uh, kind of a trail, but there is a trail that people have these kind of crazy shoes on, some of which are road shoes would actually make sense. Um, although uh, I think certainly some of the attraction, especially if you're coming down the, the bar trail, but even on 14 or you see people like, like, wait, what are you wearing that? For? Mm-hmm. You know, and at the same time, like, you know, I, I think also that trail running is still that new or maybe that, maybe that kind of outside the norm, even though we're, you know, totally in this and we love trail running and all our friends trail run. It, it is, it is interesting. The bigger population of running maybe isn't as connected to, to trail running as, as we think. And, and therefore I think maybe people are just buying their shoes wherever they might buy them, whether at a running store or not. And they just kind of go out there. But I think certainly, you know, we all know that like kind of rolling over in your shoe or just having bad traction or feeling that underfoot stinger is kind of, you know, the ultimate of like, Oh, I have the wrong shoe on. Right. But right. But it, it takes that experience um, for for people to kind of understand that. <clears throat> yeah, and it seems like it it takes people understanding that it matters. You know, like there pe- right. people are probably running doing that fourteener in that shoe because that's the shoe that they have. <laughs> right, you know, right. and they haven't thought, oh well, maybe if I go shopping specifically for a shoe for the types of terrain that I'm doing, maybe that'll make a difference. I think a lot of people don't think it'll make a difference. Um, but they should know that it does, I guess. But I, yeah. I think a lot of people just wear what they have and don't really think gear matters that much, but it's not true. Yeah, <laughs> no. Three of us wouldn't have jobs. <laughs> no, I totally agree. I, I totally agree. And I think that, you know, I think, you know, initially back in, in the nineties, you know, way back in the nineties, uh, you know, the opposite, there was two different types of shoes. It seemed like there was road running companies that were getting into trail running. And then there yeah. was like kind of boot companies, um, the Merrells, the Solomons, uh-huh. um, even the North Face getting into trail running. <clears throat> and I think that, you know, you found like uh, some some road running shoes that were super light, but obviously pretty flimsy, not really, you know, trail oriented. And then on the other side, the initial trail shoes from the boot companies were a little bit stodgy, a little bit like, like hikers yeah. and um, 
and I think that like at some point you, you had to make a choice, but now certainly that's kind of smoothed out in the middle. And obviously most of the brands that are still in the game um, certainly are making, you know, really, really good shoes overall. I, I don't think there's any way to look at it. I mean, like certainly some brands like Sportiva are known for their sticky rubber from their mm-hmm. climbing background. So there's still, there's still some uh, heritage to those brands, mm-hmm. but it's, it seems like it's, you know, we understand what good trail shoes are now. Right. And it seems like companies are making specifically trail shoes. They're not trying to like make their road shoes into trail shoes necessarily, you know? Right. And like you said, like hiking boots, and they're not trying to make them lighter into running shoes, into trail running shoes. They're like trail running shoes from the ground up, which yep. is a big yep. difference. And, and at Berkeley Parkville, you guys only have, I think, a couple, a couple brands, three brands. Is that right? Right now, three. When we first okay. opened, we had five. Um, we are looking to bring on a, a few new brands in the new year. Um, actually, not new but new to us um, yep. as well as we did have Scott running when we first opened and we're looking to yep. bring those guys back as well. And yep. some of the shoes we had, we, we made mistakes in order, like the, you know, we had some great shoes by innovate that would be really great in the Pacific Northwest or for fell running in England, which they're designed to do, but just don't feel smooth or comfortable on our trails. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We it's just really a matter of finding that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and speaking of, uh, you, you mentioned uh, uh, Phil running in England, and I, I know um, Phil, you've run in Europe. At least I know you've run in Europe quite a bit, and all over the all over the West. Do you guys have a favorite place you like to trail run? I mean, aside from Colorado, of course, because we all love Colorado. But uh, I guess maybe talk about some of the places you run, and then also relative to the different kinds of trails there. Phil, do you want to go first? Um, sure. I mean, I obviously love Colorado. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to at least pace down at hard rock a few times um the san juans are amazing i love going out to moab and running on the slick rock um and i've been fortunate to be able to go out and run like crew friends at utmb and then race grand trail for my air and and i remember watching unbreakable and killian talking about oh i like the mountains here they're very flat and i'm like that just, just <laughs> contradicted yourself. Like, I don't know what you mean. Like, and hearing all the hype about European trails and how our trail, like just kind of really low grade and it, it takes going out there to see it. And it's, yep. it's a fully different, I mean, the Hoka wouldn't have been invented if it was like someone from here in the States trying to create a shoe for downhill running. Yeah, totally true. How about you, Lisa? Well, I mean, just to tack on to the Europe thing, like, Brian, we had the great uh, media trip running around UTMB, um, of course, broken into sections with nice dinners (laughs) and hotels. But um, that was spectacular. And it's just pretty cool to run into a different country and have a different snack, you know, whatever. But um, in the States, I mean, I love running here in Colorado. I love running up in the Indian Peaks. It's like what keeps me going all summer, being a California girl and missing the beach. I just heading up to the mountains and running um, rugged terrain to a mountain lake is like my favorite thing to do. But then I also just crave getting out to California and running on the beaches and any old terrain I used to run out there is great. And then um, the Pacific Northwest also is insane. Like I couldn't believe how amazingly soft and enjoyable the trails were on say Orcas Island. I'd love to get back out there again, but like I had some of the runs of my life um, covering a race out there, um, years ago, just on the soft pine needles, like in these pine tree forests that just smelled so good. And with ocean views, it's like kind of, you have it all. Um, 
so yeah, there's lots of good running to be had for sure. And it's just, it's fun because everything's so different, right? I mean, you got like our hard, rocky terrain out here and then the soft, soft trails up there and then sand is different and um, Europe. Yeah, those European mountains are really big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I couldn't believe, like, I, I guess from an adventure race in Switzerland, like you're, you're up and then down and then up and then down, like over and over and over. Whereas like here in Colorado, you do one of those things and call it good, you know, but that's just like valleys and mountains and valleys and mountains and they're just epic and gorgeous so lots of good running yeah plus refugios at the top what's that yeah the refugios at the top yeah exactly (laughs) someone hand you a hot cup of tea (laughs) the 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 refugio when lisa when lisa and i ran hut to hut or hotel to hotel uh around uh the chamonix mont blanc loop i think one of the first huts we got to i had been like epically carsick in this in this oh, ride God. to the first trailhead and <laughs> but then we got to this to top of this run and we went we're at this hut uh somewhere over in the border between uh france and italy and, and somebody in one of these r- remote remote huts refugios was making brownies and i was like wait what you know and like <laughs> so the whole, the whole culture around uh that that whole hut God, system I don't there which, maybe yeah, I, which, which, I, I wish i wish we had that more i mean we, we do have you know there are huts to run to uh certainly in um in new england and, and around the west too but I, but it's a different kind of scene you know it's like they're more publicly kind of staffed or, you know, club oriented, whereas here you rent them out and they're yours privately for the week or right. whatever. But um, I do think that, uh, yeah, running in different places certainly gives you insight to different certainly types of trails. And, and as much as trail running is uh, similar around the world, it's certainly, I think, you know, knowing the trails, understanding the trails and, and you know, by that point of view, understanding the footwear you need um, or understanding kind of what the locals are wearing is, is a key thing. I think that, you know, Philip, getting back to your point about um, Hoka, I mean, I think, you know, Lisa and I have known uh, Nico and Jean-Luc, the founders of Hoka, for a long time. And I think that, you know, understanding, you know, they weren't crazy when they were creating a downhill running shoe, mm-hmm. you know, 10, 10 or more years ago. You know, it, it made sense because obviously those, those the trails in Europe are certainly steep. I mean, we have mm-hmm. a lot of switchbacks here, which, you know, trails here were made you know, in the last, you know, 60 years or whatever, whereas trails over there were like, you know, uh, people took, you know, sheep to market over these really steep mm-hmm. trails and the, the sheep just go up the trail. And that's, you know, that's, that's what it is, I think. But like, certainly in the races or in the trails there, like they're super steep and like, um, certainly, uh, you know, kind of having that impact on the downhills is certainly a big thing. So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think, I think certainly like, you know, understanding the culture in the local scene. And, and to that point too, I think Sportiva obviously was a, um, a rock climbing company for years. And certainly they made trail running shoes that matched the kind of Italian trail runs they did, you know, right. and certainly having that sticky rubber, I think is um, certainly part of their heritage. And it, it, in certain places in the United States, that works as well too. But I think that's, that's some cool, cool backstory that people don't understand. Like there's different shoes for different reasons, but a lot because of the different terrain, um, certainly around the world, but also around the U S. Right. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned, you know, favorite shoes, uh, Lisa, or best, I guess, do you guys have, um, uh, favorites for the years? I mean, I, I, I can, I can tell my story. I mean, like certainly, um, one of my first favorites was an early 2000s shoe that Nike made called the Air Tupu, which was really just a racing flat that had like some cool knobby tread on it, but it allowed you to run fast on trails. And, and then, you know, certainly I, I love the, um, Hoka Speed Goat. I ran those, you know, for years and still run them quite a bit, but I guess, I guess to me, like there's, there's shoes that I remember for certain things and, um, you know, certainly, you know, certain races or whatever else. And those are, those are a couple of them for sure, but I have a ton, but, uh, how about you guys? What, what are, what are some of your favorites through the years? Gosh, I mean, said, yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's, there's so many shoes, <laughs> so um, but between tra- between buyer's guide cycles, I guess I kind of like keep 
certain shoes in my office, right? And so I got to look at those and see which ones have stuck around and not been moved out to the garage. But um, like a like a original Peregrine, I really liked because it was like oh, yeah. low to the ground and fast, and it was different at the time. Um, it, but had really good traction. So I I really enjoyed that shoe. Um, Wild Horse, like a Nike Wild Horse Five, like I think that's what it was. Like I like that shoe too. Just and I, I agree with you. It's like you have a quiver and you you pull out what suits your mood for that day. Like some <laughs> shoes allow you to feel the ground more, feel like more aggressive and charging, and other shoes like kind of like floating around, right? Um, and yeah, I I mean this Hocus V Goat I had worn into the ground, and then the Evo Mafate. Um, I really liked just when that came out. The first version, the second version is good too. Um, Cascadia, old versions of the Cascadia and the new. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just a good, versatile shoe. Because I find, I mean, that's like shoes that you can run to a trailhead, right? And then run a trail and run home. Or, you know, me and my dipsy obsession, I'm always looking for a good shoe for that race. And that's so true, that has some um, road that, and I'm a runner who needs some support on the road. Like I'm not all that efficient and have loose ligaments. So I kind of need things helping my limbs stay connected to my body. <laughs> so like a Cascadia gives me that kind of support on that kind of terrain. But um, yeah, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good shoes, but those are, that's a handful. Um, I think like another fast shoe, like the Mizuno Hayate um, 2. Oh, maybe, yeah, I yeah, kind of yeah, like, yeah. I keep that I'll one around. Yep. Like a sleek, fast, really low to the ground nice. for me. Like a just pretty flexible, like a good little runner with good traction. Um Oh, and you know, I've been running in a lot this summer is the um, Under Armour Hover Machina Off-Road or Off-Road Machina. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of took me by surprise. Like I tested it and was like, okay. And then it turns out like I pulled for it more this summer than probably any other trail shoe for heading up to the mountains because I felt like it gave me like a lot of cushion without, while still allowing some ground feel um, and just as a good all around shoe with a nice comfortable upper. So I'll probably keep that one around, but I've kind of thrashed it. So maybe, <laughs> maybe I need a new version, but yeah, that's a lot of shoes. So I'll, yep. I'll stop. Okay. <laughs> no, that's, that, that, that's, that's a good mix. And you make, they make a good point about the, about the quiver, because I think I go through the same thing and yeah. I've, I've re- reviewed shoes in the past or through, through our time too. And certainly, yeah, you keep the ones you're like, Oh, I really like this. And then, and then, but then I also find too, though, that like after a couple of years, I'm like, Oh, I can't believe I wore that shoe that much. I don't, <laughs> right. I don't like it now, you know, but right. um I guess Phil, talk about that because obviously you guys are always seeing new shoes from a retail yeah. point of view, and I imagine your quiver is is probably uh, pretty expansive when you want it yeah. to be, and yeah, and, and can have that luxury of choosing different shoes. Well, even like to your point of having a shoe that like you really liked, and then you kind of put it away for a while and bring it back, and you're like, did I really like that? Um, like the Pearl N2, and we still have people who are like, oh my god, why don't they make it that shoe anymore? Mm-hmm. What anything similar? And I remember like the kind of the first time I wore it, I wore a New Balance for half of Speed Goat, and then I switched into the N2 for the second half, and the N2 was amazing, and that was my shoe that summer. And I think one of my second pairs I'd given to a friend because I was just trying to, like, call the collection a little bit, and he brought them in to recycle, barely even worn. I'm like, oh, my God, this is like a gift from heaven. <laughs> Hardly, you know, dead stock Pearl N2. That was my shoe to begin with, and I ran it a few times, and I know foams get harder over the years. Or not. Yeah. And I was like, ah, I don't love this shoe anymore. Um, nothing against Pearl, but they did stop making running shoes, so we can badmouth them if we want. <laughs> um, you know, daily drivers, I kind of switch back and forth between 
Speed Goats and an original pair of Sense Rides from Solomon. Mm-hmm. Um, depends on, you know, if I need that extra cushion or if I feel like going a little faster. Um, sentimental Shoe, the first edition of the New Balance, Leadville Trail 1210. I should know this. I was in their little commercial. Sure. Um, yep. That's the Sentimental Reasons. And the Leadville filled nickname, even though I've only finished it twice. And I'm really enjoying, I enjoyed the the Scott Super Track RC three years ago when it first came out. Um, and then I'm really enjoying, um, even though the tread is way too luggy for our trails, or ID, like if you look at it, the Solomon, the new Cross Pro, mm-hmm. um, yep, yep. just the, the way they've taken their whole mesh project and like adapted it to the U.S. or to be able to bring it to market at a more, more affordable every man price. The shoe just fits me like a glove and is great feeling. Yeah, it just shows that all the I mean, like you know we've been in this and like it shows all the different trail the trail shoes that have come up. I mean, like it, you're you're bringing back some names and, and different nuances. I mean, like you think back to when like I don't know Teva was a, a brand in trail running for a while, and and now a brand like Skechers is making some decent trail shoes. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like a, it's such a crazy uh, range of shoes, and that some of that conversation brought up like you know before New Balance got into their minimalist, they they, they I think they modified or updated a shoe called I think it was the eight ninety mm-hmm. or eight ninety off road or something like that, and like it was a it was a really low to the ground kind of fun kind of cross country running shoe that they made for trail running. And then of, of course that, you know, once Anton was sponsored by them, the new balance One Hundred and One and that whole minimalist line changed a lot of things. I mean, uh, I love the one one for its simplicity, but at the same time, like uh, minimalism, you can say what you want. I mean, I think it served its purpose in terms of helping people understand shoes and helping, you know, certainly shoe designers and kind of the, the kind of whole market evolve. But I mean, like for me, I always wanted protection and cushioning. And so um, I was always amazed when I'd see people out with very, very little underfoot, you know, and, and running crazy distances. But, it, you know, it certainly worked for some. And I think obviously the whole Born to Run, um, you know, the book was amazing. Chris did an amazing job on that. But at the same time, obviously, it, it, it sent people all over the place. And it's, it's, it's interesting to see or hear even how many retailers and people that are in, like, oh, yeah, Born to Run did this for me. Or like, I read Born to Run. And like, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, we're, we're beyond that by 10 years or so. But um, certainly, that all kind of played this role in this crazy evolution of what, what trail running shoes were, even though trail running existed um, and it was authentic before that, obviously, but it, but it certainly played a role in, in that last 10 years, you know? For sure. For sure. Um, so I guess, I guess uh, you know, if, if you guys were to tell people what, you know, what, what's the best way to look for a trail shoe? I mean, obviously, plenty of people can go into the retail shops. I think that's the best way, certainly, in understanding your local trails. But, I mean, like, are there any key things that you need to look for? Um, I, I know, at least when you're reviewing, obviously, you're pointing out certain items and everything else. But what are, what are some of the key things that people should be aware of in terms of the variables of understanding a trail shoe? Oh, me first? Um, yeah. <laughs> well, understanding a trail shoe, I mean, we talked about traction being – um, a major differentiation between road shoes and trail shoes. Um, and I think that's the main thing that someone who doesn't, who's never run in a trail shoe will recognize, um, as a benefit. So I think, um, looking for traction, but not too much, like you don't need to go, um, into like something super gnarly if you're just getting into trail running. Um, so I guess it's knowing yourself for, first of all, like what kind of trails are you going to run and to Phil's point, like how far are you running and what, what kind of running are you doing? But, um, I mean, I, I'm a hundred percent going to say that people need to go. I mean, it's tough right now in the state of the world, but going into a specialty shoe store, retail 
um, and trying on talking to uh, the salesperson and trying on a shoe. It's really hard to find the perfect pair of shoes for you online. And um, if you do that, you can always return them, but it has to fit your feet and make you feel like running. I always tell people like, if you step into it and it makes you feel like running, excited about running, that's a good sign. I mean, it fits you right and fits your personality right and like makes you want to go. But that's kind of a, on a basic level. But um, traction is key. Flexibility is key, um, especially if you're running hills. You want the shoe to flex, and uh, you know, even on like flat trails, because you want to be able to run smoothly um, on all sorts of terrain and not have something too stiff, like a big rock plate that just covers the whole toe to heel it can be overkill on flat smooth terrain and you kind of need that for protection on the more rugged mountains um and then the durable upper like do you need something that has a ton of overlays you kind of only need that if you're running off camber mountainous terrain if you're not then you could use something that's just like a simple knit upper with some reinforcements that are going to keep your foot in place right like nothing too built up but um yeah. I mean, and then it's just, it's just what other features are you looking for? Like some laces are different, like the Solomon Kevlar one pole laces, which I have to say, <laughs> drives me crazy. Also when people don't tuck them in, cause like, right, right. you know, like they just run with them, like flapping around and it's just like a, a branch catcher basically, or like tripping, tripping hazard. It's, right? a, it's like, yeah, they should uh, just know that there's a little lace garage on that tongue for you to tuck. I in give lessons thing. about the lace garage. Thank God you do. Because like it, I'm certain. And I, Brian, I think we were somewhere where someone got it snagged and chewed up their knee pretty well, but um. Ooh. I think it was Jason Smith. It might have been. Um, anyway, so that's a, a side note. But um, <laughs> tuck in that lace. But there's lacing and there's pressure points, like you know how a shoe is built. But I really, you got to get your foot in it, see how it feels, um, see if it's the right amount of shoe for the kind of running you're doing, um, and if it makes you excited to run. That's a good yep. Those are all good points, and I and I, I know that Phil, you covered some of that at, at the store. But I guess um, the thing I'll switch gears to a little bit is uh, how much. Um, how much does the, the the kind of the vibe of trail running, um, you know, influence kind of you know people, you know we know we know people went into, from road running got into trail running, mm-hmm. but does does trail running either through athletes? It seems like the athletes are more um, accessible or more kind of um, I don't know presentable maybe yeah. than than maybe the way the marathoners were in a long time ago in the seventies and eighties. But it seems like trail runners are the kind of the the it people in running, you know, and it seems like that, that kind of vibe definitely creates some kind of a draw. And, and, and by that notion, we know what kind of trail shoes they run in. You know, I mentioned Anton before, obviously when he was with New Balance and now with Sportiva, but, you know, people kind of follow people on social media, I guess maybe Phil talk about that. Cause I know you're active on social media, but you see a lot of athletes um, both locally um, and, and influencers and, and ambassadors that, that have a pretty good, kind of grip on the sport and they also seem to have a you know a brand behind them uh, is is that a real thing in, in trail running 100 percent. i mean that's kind of when i first got back into trail running i mean it's barely over 10 years ago um killian was on his rise and solomon was super sexy to me because of that and i remember going out and getting a pair of speed cross and even though it was I can't run in them anymore. It's too much heel, too high of a drop, too too many lu- too I mean too luggy of a shoe. I wanted that shoe to be like my Cinderella slipper so much that I loved I wore that shoe for like three years. Mm-hmm. Um and now, you know, I I have customers who like will come in and buy the Solomon Ultra Pro 
because of Courtney to what she's done, Courtney to Walter and what she's done in that shoot. You know, and I, I even use it as a selling point. Like they're like, Oh, I don't know. Am I going to be able to run long in it? I'm like, well, Courtney ran 240 miles around Moab in it. You know, the new one she's, or the new S labs, I guess is what she wore on her Colorado trail attempt. And, and it is cool. Like, yeah, there's a cult of personality in trail running, but it's, I love the sport because you can go to races and not only race the same course that you're, I don't want to say heroes, but the people you look up to, the athletes you look up to in the sport are on, but they're on at the same time. And they'll come out, you know, and cheer on like that golden hour in Leadville, seeing Rob Carr out there cheering on the finishers is a really cool thing. And he's not getting, it's not like, oh my God, there's Rob Carr. It's like, no. There's the dude with the beard cheering out everyone on, talking to his friends, having a good time. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, and Lisa, you've, I know you've interviewed, interviewed tons of um, uh, athletes, including Ryan Hall recently, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about in a second. Yeah. But uh, but it seems like, yeah, it seems like the trail running athletes are accessible and there are certainly real people like the rest of us, right? As opposed to, you know, maybe uh, a 209 marathoner, or, I don't know, a track, track star, maybe, maybe because the sport is more front and center and, and kind of everyday weekend warrior mentality. But it seems like it yeah. seems like athletes are are more more real or more just doing the things we're doing, right? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's a different culture. I think with the elite roadrunners, there's so much um, training. And I mean, you have to be super serious and focused. And you do with trail running too, but it's different, right? I mean, different in the way that like, to be a trail runner, you kind of have to like getting dirty and <laughs> roll with the punches a little more, which just sort of makes everybody um, sort of feel at one a little bit more than if you're at a road race and there's like the elites in the front. And the difference is so great from the everyday runner to those elites. Whereas like trail running, yeah, the, the elites are like a, like a million times faster than the most of, than the rest of us, but um, or than most of us. But it's just a different like we're all in this together vibe, maybe like the gritty, dirty, in all sorts of weather. Like, it's just, it's a different culture. And like, to your point about the social media playing a role in it, it's it's interesting because it seems like trail running specifically um, has that where the elites have this brand and presence um, and they're more accessible than, say, elite roadrunners who are just on another plane. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting to look at it like that for sure. Yeah, good point. Good point. Um, and uh, you did just interview uh, Ryan Hall, obviously yes. an um, American record holder in the marathon, um, who has spent the last couple of years uh, doing more bodybuilding, it seems yeah. like, um, but uh, <laughs> just ran his first ultra here in Colorado. Uh, yeah. You wrote that for Podium Runner. Uh, talk about that. Like, What was his experience uh, in, in that ultra? I loved that interview so much. He was so funny and self-effacing. Like, I didn't know how he had done like I didn't know I knew he was in it and I asked him for the interview before the race and said hey let's catch up on Tuesday and then they hadn't posted results so I just really had no idea I didn't know like why it had entered or if he had trained or anything like that and like his first thing he said I'm like how'd it go and he was like pretty good you know like knowing I only had run 25 miles all year (laughs) up until that day and I was like what and then he just started laughing and the whole time like we were both just laughing like through the whole interview and he was like so awesomely self-effacing about all of it, like cracking himself up, cracking me up, like with how little he had prepared and just like had been carrying these water bottles. And then he said, my pecs are sore. Cause I was like carrying these bottles <laughs> and then they were leaky. So I grabbed these just, pl- I'm like, you carry like plastic, regular old school water. Bottles. He's like, yeah. Cause my other ones were leaking. So he had like one plastic water bottle in each hand. And Oh my God, he was dying. And then he said something like, 
I was going to get avalanche poles and I'm thinking like, what are avalanche poles? Do you mean like <laughs> trekking poles? <laughs> like I was going to carry avalanche poles, but then I realized I didn't have any, I had water bottles in my hands. So I didn't have any place to put them. Like he just, I, he cracked me up and I hope that his humor came across in that story. Cause it was just a straight Q and a, and like, I wish I could have added, he laughs or blah, blah, blah. Cause he just was so funny. He just hopped in it because, um, an athlete, he trains, um, had grown up in Crested Butte or had spent some time in Crested Butte and Ryan has a place in Crested Butte. So he was like, yeah, that sounds fun. Sure. And I just <laughs> love that. Like someone with such, um, a successful background just had no problem just hopping in something for fun and for the adventure of it and just rolled with it. And like, you know, he got through it, but I think what got him through it was the fact that he lifts so much. Cause he was like physically strong and durable that he didn't fall apart. But again, like he got super dehydrated cause that's like his larger frame as he had pointed out, like takes quite a lot of water and he just didn't quite know how to like fuel or hydrate or anything like that. But, um, yeah, check out that interview. Cause he's pretty darn funny. It was great. Yeah, I think some some of the definitely some of the humor did come through, but I was I was definitely like almost laughing, kind of thinking what the interview was like. You know, oh, like I know fantastic. I, yeah, and he just, it, like he's so easygoing. You know, like I felt like talking to like a buddy from California. You know, he just was like yeah. chuckling and laughing. Yeah, it was great. It was like super smooth and easy and just um, a good a good time. <laughs> And it's, what's funny is I think that the experience he had is, is the experience that a lot of like first time ultra runners have. And I, oh. I think that, you know, we see that, you know, certainly all around, um, you, you know, and maybe fill in your shop too. I mean, I, one of the first runs I went to at your store was a couple of years ago. I was like, oh, this will be cool. You know, it'll, it'll be some, you'll probably see some, you know, people that are, you know, new to, you know, because it's Denver, um, new to ultra running. And like, it, what was cool was like, there was people that were all levels, you know, there's people that were super immersed in the ultra running scene and people you could tell were first timers, but it was like, it was like, I think it was part of that um, culture that like is around trail running and ultra running that, that even if, even if Ryan Hall was kind of, you know, self-effacing and laughing, I think certainly he got, he got it, you know, relative to the fact that like, it's a thing. And like, yet, I mean, yeah, we all are together, but I imagine you see that all the time at the store, Phil. Yeah. I mean, and hopefully one of the things I like about trail running and, especially mountain and ultra running is how hard it is that it attracts a certain kind of crazy. And those people, you know, whether it's back of the pack or elite people, they appreciate the effort that it takes to be out there. And so, it, and it kind of hones, like, even if you're like, I feel I'm a better person through because of my running and mm-hmm. we're trying to build a community that's kind of inclusive of that. So it, you know, kind of surpasses like, various barrier like um social and economic barriers um we you know supporting a group called trail tinos with a couple of our race team members have started kind of getting the hispanic community out there on the trails a little bit more um but yeah and i totally didn't answer your question huh, <laughs> no, that's okay that's that's interesting okay. stuff <laughs> yeah but you brought up a couple of cool things i think that i think that one thing i was going to say was the way this ties all together with our conversation is it certainly it seems like that, like the road marathon scene, although great, and I run marathons and I love road running shoes, um, is certainly a little bit more um, uh, kind of limited because I think that um, the marathon can break people. I think you know road running can break people, and, and yet um, you know I think, I think deep into a training session uh, for a marathon, like you run a twenty-two miler on roads, you're, you're you're broken and demoralized. Whereas I think trail running 
as you're training for a trail race of whatever reasons, I, I just think that there's a, a certain inherent like excitement or energy about the trails that like uh, is certainly unifying, but it's also like uplifting, you know? And I think that, I think that after you finish your first ultra, even if it is a, you know, broken down struggle to the line, 50 miler, <laughs> I think there's that, there's that, there's that great feeling of like, Oh, absolutely do this again. Not, not only do it again, but do it for, you know, like forever. Right. I mean, like, whereas in a marathon, I think that people get that, you know, one and done, which I, I get, but like people get that one and done mentality, like, Oh, I'll never do that again. Right. And yeah. yet, but trail running has this like kind of exuberance to it that like is part, part of the people and the culture and the community, but also just like that vibe of being out there. I really think, I mean, trail running is about the experience more than right. road running is, I think. Right. I mean, it's like you're going on an adventure every time you head out the door. And I think that is appealing to, um, like Phil was saying, like people who are drawn to that kind of thing. But it's also appealing to people who never thought they'd be runners. It's like a whole different category that is pulling people into running, which I think is super exciting. Like people who maybe just mountain bike or climb or, um, garden, you know, who never thought they'd be runners, but they're like, Oh, you can actually go run in nature. You can go run on a trail. You can go exploring to like a lake or a, it's just, it's more of an experiential, like adventurous vibe that, um, is awesome. I mean, it's just, obviously it's kept my attention for a long time and I still want to go explore other things. And, um, anyway, so yeah, I think that's a big difference between road and trail running. Yeah, I totally agree. I think I think as I continue to lose my speed that I might have had a long time ago, I, I'm I'm not all that insistent on like running any more road races. But I, um, but I definitely I have like you know uh, everlasting like zest for going trail running. You know, yeah. and like, that, that always sounds good to me. And, that, yeah. and, it, I, and I I can look at shoes though, and I can I can look. At, I'm like, oh, I'll go run that trail with these shoes. And like, uh-huh. I don't know, maybe maybe I'm a shoe geek like that. But I, I always like <laughs> I always feel that like that that total like just excitement, like just to, to go out and run trails. And I, I, think, I think too, though, I think that we've seen this year, especially um, with, with COVID as much as COVID has been a devastating thing and a challenging thing. I think that there's more people out in the trails than ever before. Um, that means certainly crowded trailhead sometimes, but I think that hopefully it's going to mean that more people are discovering kind of like whether, whether it be easy flat trails or, you know, peak bagging or, you know, ultras. I mean, it, it seems like there's more people, um, getting into trail running, uh, yeah. this year, especially. And, and even if like only half of those people kind of come back next year, I mean, it seems like there's, there is a, certainly a reason to believe that trail running and, and obviously trail running shoes and races and everything else will continue to be this vibrant category, uh, in the years to come. Yeah. I'm curious, Phil, do you have people coming in now more than ever who haven't run before, but are going straight to trail running? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We are getting that. And it's, a little bit. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, especially when we first got opened back up, we had way more people who hadn't been running at all, and yeah. all of a sudden their gyms are closed or whatever. That I guess I'm a runner now, and right. I'm like, well, have you tried trail running? Like, yeah, it's kind of awesome. It's like hiking but faster. And, <laughs> um, but I have, on the flip side of that, I have noticed like you know some of my friends and peers who are definitely much more into like trail racing and that's what their, their goals are. And they have a season and a schedule and things they're looking forward to when that whole calendar went away, they were kind of listless and lost for a while. And, mm-hmm. um, but as far as new runners, definitely seeing, I mean, a lot of even new faces, like the neighborhood that our shop is at is 
still growing. And so we have a lot of people coming in from out of state, moving into this neighborhood Hmm. who have never trail ran before. And they're like, well, you know, I moved here from Kansas or I moved here from, which I'm surprised they didn't trail run in California, but you know, Hmm. wherever they're moving from, they just realize that what a gift having the foothills and the Rockies right there are to us. And they might as well take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it all makes a lot of sense. Um, I think uh, we're getting probably down toward, toward the end of it here, but uh, maybe the last thing I'll ask you guys is uh, you, you've seen trail running kind of evolve and change and grow. And, and certainly shoes have, have been a big part of that, certainly as different aspects of the sport, you know, adventure racing and obstacle racing and ultras have become uh, a, kind of a real thing unto their own. Um, but I guess I would ask you maybe where's it going? What do, what do you see happening next relative to um, either shoes or trail running in general? I mean, obviously we know it's, it's going to be um, increasingly popular, you know, um, but, you know, obviously the, the good side of that is that, you know, more people love it. Uh, the challenging thing is, is that make it um, too mundane or too, too watered down? I don't, I don't know, but maybe just from your own point of view, where do you see uh, trail running and trail running shoes going in the next uh, maybe two to 10 years? That's a good question. Phil, do you want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> no pressure here. Um, I mean, I do see it's going to be interesting. Like, from a race perspective, a lot of races are going to probably struggle to make it through this and maybe go away, especially kind of the bigger ones. Like I kind of feel for the guys at Spartan who like have these grand plans of like taking their huge numbers of Spartan participants and introducing them to trail running. And then COVID happens and kind of washes that whole season away. But I also, a lot of the customers that we have and, the local running community have found new ways to challenge themselves and like epic adventures, like from a couple of group of guys on our race team, like headed from their front door in Lakewood and ran mapped a route all the way to the top of Mount Evans and had some friends support them on the way. And then also realized in their planning that the road to top of Mount Evans was closed and they would have to run back down. (laughs) Um, But I hopefully see like, trail runners getting more versatile and, you know, definitely way more people going out and doing like, you know, Pawnee Buchanan loop or four pass loop, or even just like, Hey, you know, I have people coming in and for a while our nutrition sales were down because the races had gone away and now they're back up because people are like, what are you planning this weekend? Oh, I'm going to go up and do, you know, the skyline traverse or, you know, like some, I've, there's a group of guys heading out and doing the collegiate peaks loop next week. Um, so hopefully just runners will, they're versatile, they're resilient, they'll be creative and find new ways to challenge themselves. And I think from a shoe standpoint, the companies are going to, I mean, it's kind of a neat time where you have, you can have a quiver of very specific, like shoes for each different type of terrain. But I think what sells best for us are kind of those all arounders, like the Speed Goat, the Hoka Challenger, the Ultra Temp, um, the Solomon Sense Rides, that you can run on a variety of terrains well. I think this, that's exciting that the shoes actually, there's that phrase like jack of all trades, master of none. Mm-hmm. I feel the shoes actually can do both these days. Yeah, I agree, which is great. Yeah, good, good points. Um, and just to take that a little further, I think more people from elites to people who are motivated by races, like there's a whole, I mean, there's so many people who are just motivated by racing, but this year has forced those people from elites to, you know, the everyman 
to look at why they race. And like, maybe they're now discovering that I'm going to do this for the love of it or for the exploration of it. And I think that's just healthy because that like adds longevity to your running. Like if you're, if you burn out on racing eventually, then you're still going to run. Like you did that year there was COVID (laughs) just because you enjoyed it. Right. And like, that's a huge point I try to make in my books or trying to like find that joy trying to find the love of running. Um, even if you think you hate it, but, um, so I think that's a shift in, um, why people are running. It's like a forced shift, but that I think is a positive thing in the long run. Um, and then I think the accessibility factor with footwear, with shoes, not only like having all arounders, but having shoes that, um, are not intimidating to a new trail runner. Like they're not like super beefy or they're not super techie or they don't look crazy, you know, just like, basic shoes that have trail features that somebody who doesn't consider themselves a real, a runner or a hardcore athlete of any sort can just go, Oh, this shoe's comfortable and I can run trails in it. And it's not going to make me go into debt. Like I think that (laughs) category of shoes um, should continue to grow so that more people can feel comfortable and feel welcomed on trails. I think like, like the, you know, the trail divide, the Brooks trail divide is hundred dollar shoe perfectly yeah. fine. Like it may be not great for off camber or more rugged, or it's not all that supportive, but for the majority of what people, for the majority of what the majority of people are running, I think it's a perfectly good shoe. And I, I would love to see more shoes like that. Yeah, I totally agree. And maybe to summarize, I, I think that trail running shoes certainly have made um, everybody a runner, how, however they want to be a runner. Right? right. And I think that like, you know, we all have friends that weren't ever marathoners, but love trail running, or maybe, maybe someone is broken down or injured. Like, I, I just think that trail running allows you to do so many more things or think differently about kind of how Absolutely. you run. And, and even if you don't think at all about running, you can still go out and, and trail run. I think that, so, you know, I'm inspired by certainly the athletes that are doing hardcore things. Um, but I'm inspired by Lisa's Instagram. I mean, Lisa's a neighbor of mine and yet I see kind of like the adventure she gets up to and like, Oh, cool. She goes to find these high remote Alpine lakes, um, on trail runs with a dog. And like, that's super cool, you know? And so I think that there's, there's so many different things that like, um, trail running can be and like, you know, whether it be, you know, um, an aggressive, you know, six or eight hour or multi-day thing, or just like a beautiful one hour run. I mean, I've always thought that trail running brought that to everybody, you know, and, um, whereas road running, I don't think does. And like, it's, it's not to to downplay road running. It's just that I think that like trail running shoes certainly give you that, that versatility and outlook and exercise. And it also leads to things like, yeah, what's next for me? What's my next, uh, endurance quest? What's my next adventure? What's, where am I traveling next? You know? And like, I think those things are all very cool. Right. So exciting. Um, well, with that, we'll wrap up. And I just want to say uh, thank you to Lisa and thank you to Philip for, for joining. Good conversation. And uh, certainly, uh, I hope you see you out in the trail soon. Yeah. Thank you for having us. There. Thank you so much for having us. And Phil, it was nice to connect with you again. You as well, Lisa. Happy trails. Happy trails to you. Happy trails. Let's go running soon. <laughs> Cheers. Right on. Cheers. We could just toast each other right Frost. now. But yes, let's go, let's go run trails soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Kixology Podcast. Thank you to Philip Snyder from Berkeley Park Running Company and author journalist Lisa Jung for the engaging conversation. Follow them on Instagram at runphilrun and Lisa Jung writes. Please tune in each week as I talk about all things running shoes from breakthrough innovations to historic fails, the best sellers of the past and present. Plus, a look at what's coming up in the future. Also, be sure to pick up a copy of my book, Kixology, the Hype Science Culture and Cool of Running Shoes at Amazon.com or at VeloPress.com.